Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Living the Faith Podcast. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com Former prominent Anglican Bishop Michael Nazir Ali is received into the Catholic Church. And this is happening with much gushing, much fanfare from conservatives online. Lord Nazir Ali's decision is a move of monumental proportion and significance, says fellow former Anglican and convert to the Catholic Church, Gavin Ashenden. This is a quotation from the National Catholic Register from today. This is perhaps the biggest church news of the day. Today is the 14th of October. The article continues. A prominent and retired Church of England bishop once tipped to become a future Archbishop of Canterbury has been received into the Catholic Church, becoming one of the most high-profile Anglican clergymen to make the journey to Rome possibly since Father Ronald Knox in 1917. He was received into the church on September 29th, the Feast of St. Michael the Archangel. He will be ordained a Catholic priest in due course, according to a statement issued by the personal Ordinariate of Our Lady of Walsingham and the Bishop's Conference of England and Wales. So he will be an ordinariate cleric. A priest for sure, a bishop, we don't know. He's the former bishop of Rochester, not Rochester, New York, Rochester, England. And is one of the best known Anglican clerics. He will be a Catholic priest as early as next month. He's known as an intellectual. He's known as uh, being pretty thoughtful. Um, the Catholic Ordinariate was set up by Benedict XVI, as you know. It is designed to receive Anglicans into the Roman Church. Um, this guy, he's 72 years old. He's been the Bishop of Rochester since 1994 until 2009. And then at that point in 2009, he resigned his post. He set up a center in Oxford dedicating to promoting Orthodox evangelism and dialogue with other faiths. Apparently, he dialogued with the Catholic faith so much that he found his way in. Because he's married, Nazir Ali cannot be ordained a Catholic bishop. This is according to The Spectator, the UK publication. Although before the ordinary was set up, Pope Benedict seriously considering allowing him to become one. So, as of... Right now, he won't be a bishop. He'll just be a priest. He'll be a married priest. He's 72 years old. You know, people are really celebrating this, and I would just... I hate to be Debbie Downer on everything. I just talked to you yesterday about this bombshell report about the secret ordinations that happened in Krakow. 
how John Paul II, before he was elected Pope, when he was the Cardinal Archbishop of Krakow, was secretly ordaining and consecrating people in Czechoslovakia and other places behind the Iron Curtain. And I compared that to the actions of Archbishop Vigano, and I'm already taking a lot of heat. A lot of you love Vigano. Look, I love what he says, too. I love what he says. I agree with what he writes. I wish he would do more than write. I wish he wasn't just all talk, no action. I wish he would ordain people just like John Paul did, apparently, against the explicit permission of Paul VI. So I've been Debbie Downer for the last couple days, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer on this topic either. But I've been to an ordinary at Mass, and do you know what it was? I think it was in Houston where I went. It was a Paul VI Mass with a little bit of British-sounding language layered in. It was nothing special. It was certainly not the traditional Latin Mass. Uh, They had a root screen. It's a beautiful parish. I know a couple people go there that listen to RTF. I'm not... I'm not dogging on your parish, okay? What I'm dogging on is the idea that we're going to just welcome in all these married, ordinary priests and that that's somehow going to be okay and be the gateway for mass reversions. I say reversions because if you're Anglican, you were at one point in your bloodline Roman Catholic. Obviously until Henry VIII came along and split the church so that he could have a First of several divorces. But what I might, the cynical view is that this is just another ploy to introduce married priests into the Western church. This is not something that we have had. This is not something that we want. It's not something that we need. And yet, the liberal, woke agitators who are both cleric and lay alike, continue to bombast us with this notion, uh, lambast us with this notion that we need to have married clerics, that that will solve the priest shortage, that that will ensure that we don't have any homos, predators, that if a man is married, then he is less likely to abuse your son when he is up on the altar or in the liberal's case, your daughter. But see, this betrays the entire history of the Western Church, and it makes a mockery of the discipline of celibacy, which is a beautiful thing. I did a podcast with Brother Martin Navarro of the Oblates of St. Augustine about celibacy. You should check that out for about a 45-minute or an hour discussion about the beauty of celibacy. Much more could be said about it than I will say here, other than to point out that while a lot of conservatives, so-called, are having slobbering love affairs with Michael Nazir Ali now, who's going to bring himself and his wife into the Catholic Church, it's great that he converted. I'm happy that he converted. But... Why should he become a cleric? You know, Dr. Taylor Marshall was an Anglican priest as well, and he was received into the Catholic Church, and he did not become an ordained priest. He knew that he was married and that his his calling was to be a layperson, and he's done an incredible job at continuing to teach 
and inspire in the Catholic faith as a layperson. He probably has more impact as a layperson than he would have had as a married priest of the ordinariate. Now, there are good things about the ordinariate. I'm not just trashing the ordinariate. I really like their aesthetics. I like their churches. I like a lot of the people that go to their parishes. I've been to the parish in San Antonio, Texas as well, and I know that San Antonio and Houston are two different things, uh, and that's just an ordinariate-ism that uh, I don't want to really get into on this particular podcast. So I'm not trying to bog you down with I'm an anti-ordinariate guy. What I am is I'm a suspicious guy who is an anti-married clergy guy, and I'm an anti-modernist guy. I'm an anti-liberal communist guy. And so when I, when I see people from the National Catholic Register celebrating that we're going to have another married priest in the Western Church, then um, I'm a little skeptical of that. Yes, he's an authority on Islam. He has, uh, he's married with two sons, uh, dual Pakistani and British nationality. For 15 years, he led St. John Fisher's former diocese as the Anglican Bishop of Rochester in England, during which time he built up a reputation for being a leading defender of the Christian faith and culture and a defender of persecuted Christians. He's outspoken with, quote-unquote, enormous theological skill. He receives death threats. Uh, it talks about the no-go areas for non-Muslims in Britain, which is a huge thing happening there. So, okay, yes, I get it. He's based. He's good on that issue. I mean, who doesn't who doesn't despise a Mohammedan, right? I mean, at this point, it's like, oh, should we ordain anyone who despises Mohammedans? Should I take holy orders, even though I'm married with? a brood full of children, some of whom you might be able to hear in the background of this podcast. Should I take holy orders just because I don't like the Mohammedans and I don't mind going into no-go no zones and I don't mind threats? Um, that's not enough for me because, again, this is a battering ram. This is a battering ram set up by Pope Benedict. This is a ticking time bomb. This is a this is a poison pill, is what this is. If, if, you were to, if you were to refer to something in business that this is, this is called a poison pill. It's when a company enacts a policy that will ultimately end to its own, in its own demise, and it does so willingly and on purpose. And I believe that this is, that's exactly how you would describe this. The ordinary, in general, receiving married men as clergymen in the Catholic Church in the Western tradition. It's a poison pill. Now, are there cases where this was necessary to preserve the faith? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Behind the Iron Curtain, it was not uncommon that you would have married clergy who were ordained or consecrated secretly underground in order to maintain an apostolic line and lineage and when the Iron Curtain came down, John Paul II went to Eastern Europe, went to Poland, and said, you will all now retire. And they did. Because it is not 
fitting or proper that in normal circumstances, in normal times, that you would have this going on. Now, it's permissible, it's permissible again, when the survival of the church is at stake, when, this, when the availability of the sacraments is in danger. But neither England nor Wales are currently in that situation, excluding, of course, the government-imposed totalitarianism under which they currently labor. But that's not a... It's not actually preventing people from getting the sacraments. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm skeptical. I'm sorry. I don't. I want to. I don't. I want to be the harbinger of good news to you every now and then. And I assure you, my dear audience, I will look for more stories that are uplifting and encouraging. Unfortunately, I just don't see. The silver lining in this one. I don't see Michael Nazir Ali becoming Father Michael Nazir Ali with his two sons and his wife. I don't I don't see that as being the best thing for the Catholic Church. It certainly does nothing for the reestablishment and maintenance of tradition. It's not as though he's going to start offering the traditional Latin Mass. He's just going to offer the, like I said, the Paul VI Mass with a little bit of British-sounding language sort of attached to it like an addendum. That was my experience at an ordinary at Mass in Houston, Texas. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Send me an email. Lots of you have my cell phone number. Send me a text. Tell me if I'm off base. Tell me if I'm wrong. I just... We got to be skeptical, ladies and gentlemen. These are dark times, crazy times. And I'm almost at the point now to where if the institutional church is for it, I'm probably going to have to be against it, uh, you know, just knowing nothing else in the absence of all other variables. That should be the default in terms of our levels of professional skepticism here. I'm skeptical of this. I don't think that this is going to be a good idea. Can he become Catholic? Absolutely. Convert him. Convert all the Protestants, all the heretics, all the apostates. Bring them back into the fold. But that doesn't mean you confer holy orders on everyone just because they were a apostate cleric. Just because they thought they were a priest in a false religion or a dead religion doesn't mean that they get to be a priest in the true religion. It doesn't work that way. The priesthood is not a consolation prize to be handed out to somebody just because he's a high-profile convert.